Welcome to Energy in 30. We'll use the next 30 minutes to explore how utilities in the industry are reacting to forces that are shaping new offerings for customers in order to meet decarbonization goals. If you are a utility manager, consultant, technology provider, or just curious about energy, we hope to push your thinking about the changes that are happening in the energy industry with me, David Meisegeier. And me, Joan Collins. Hey, Joan. Hi, David. What's new and exciting? Well, you know, it's that time of year here in Arizona where friends come into town. <laughs> Sadly, uh, though, this season they're getting cold and rainy weather, but uh, usually they come to, uh, you know, catch their sunshine. And what's always funny, and it seems like it's it's happening more often is when friends visit, because of what I do, I spend a lot of time answering questions and more or less myth-busting a lot of kind of misinformation on things like EVs and time of use and energy efficiency and solar. It's really hard for me to like not. <laughs> um, yeah. So like one story, um, a friend was visiting and and she and her, her family had just moved to kind of high altitude. And um, she was saying that everybody in the community was talking about how they couldn't have EV an EV because it would lose um, their charge. And I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> so, make sense. I know, obviously, right? Like, it, but it's it's obvious because we work, you know, we work in the industry. But what it worried me. It made me think, you know, this. It, it's so important to get the right information out there, right? And and yeah. I, and and I, it's on my mind, like how 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 do we continue to do that? And well, I'm sure this happens to you, and I'm sure you think about this as well. So yeah, and I I see like, you know how people can twist information, right, mm -hmm. to to try and make their point, which which is not an accurate point. Uh, example of that, my father-in-law sent, uh, I think it was a New York Times article the other week that was highlighting how EV startups are starting to see a slump in sales uh, or in demand. Mm -hmm. um, and the implication was, you know, oh, EVs are not, not the future. But the fact is every, literally every major auto manufacturer has an EV, one or more EV models. There's over 69, well, there are 69 models in the market today, and there's another 53 coming. That's going to be over 120 EV models on the market in, in you know, the next year or two. And so it's not that the demand for EVs is, is dropping. It's that the EV startup companies are starting to see competition from all the other uh, established players, and they're, you know, starting to to lose some sales to to those companies, but in fact, the the growth of demand for EVs is growing. So it's just all how people twist things, and we aren't getting accurate information out there. And I think the naysayers keep keep trying to say nay. <laughs> well, and the, and not even the nay, like just even just. You know, not even to make a point, but I think sometimes, you know, when there is like a 
well, I guess like an urban legend or whatever, right? The power behind that, it, it, it kind of does kind of make you question it, right? Even if you're, if you're really up to speed on it, you know what's going on. So both ways, but anyway, it's certainly on my mind and I'm glad about what I do. Um, but it also makes me think, okay, how, how can we, you know, work with, with um, others to make sure that, you know, the, the right information is getting into the right hands to, you know, lead to, to better decisions. So anyway, well, okay, so that's that. <laughs> um, but we're so excited. We've asked Mike Jung back to the podcast to talk about ICF's Climate Center. And Mike oh. serves as the founding executive director of the ICF Climate Center, which is a resource hub for knowledge and insights on climate mitigation, resilience, and adaptation. And he's a public policy expert with more than 25 years of experience in the energy industry, has served, um, done public service, and um, also in the clean technology sector. So welcome, Mike. We're really happy to have you back to the podcast. It's so good to be back. That my first outing with you guys was so much fun, and I'm really delighted to be back to dive a little bit deeper. Awesome. Well, why don't you start off, Mike, by just telling us a little bit about yourself, you know, your background, and, and how did you come to ICF and, and, and be our, our founding executive director of the Climate Center? You know, I think it all goes back to, to just kind of being a Boy Scout. Uh, I grew up in, uh, you know, the woods of eastern Kentucky, and, uh, and, and Boy Scouting was, you know, a great way to, to make that part of the country, which was otherwise, you know, maybe not that stimulating. Uh, really exciting because every weekend we'd be back in the creeks and hollers, camping, rappelling, rock climbing, canoeing, you name it. Um, but the rule always uh, in our Boy Scout uh, troop was you got to leave every campsite cleaner than it was when you got there. And that has been my mantra uh, uh, throughout my career. Um, you know, I've spent, uh, you know, decades in, uh, you know, the energy and climate space. Uh, and I've always taken up every you know organization I've worked with is uh, all about, you know, my mission to leave the campsite, in this case, planet Earth. Uh, cleaner than it was when I got here. Um, ICF uh, is particularly exciting because, you know, we help governments, we help, you know, corporations, we help, you know, nonprofit organizations, we help, you know, some of the most influential uh, uh, clients uh, in the world um, that have some of the longest levers that are available to be pulled to make this campground cleaner than it was when we got here. So mm -hmm. I'm really excited about, you know, being part of the, what I think is, you know, the greatest force multiplier for good. Uh, and in particular, I'm just tickled that, you know, ICF, uh, when I learned about the organization, um, you know, it stands for the Inner City Fund. Uh, it, it, it started out as, you know, a bunch of Tuskegee airmen wanting to do some good after World War II, uh, wanting to, you know, help these small inner city businesses get off the ground. This was social, social impact uh, uh, before mm. we had that term. And, yep. uh, you know, they realized that it wasn't capital. It was, you know, guidance and advisory services that really was helping uh, these you know small businesses and uh, and and ICF today is you know eight thousand people and you know half of our work is you know social impact whether it's health education uh, you know uh, et cetera uh, and the other half is an environment uh, you know climate uh, energy um, you know we do a lot of good in a lot of places for a lot of people so it's it's a great yeah. place to be. That's one of the reasons why I've been here for over thirty years now. It, it's it's that mission to to do help improve the the world you know for our our clients for our staff and for everybody really 
Well, what I think is kind of cool is that we have all of the rigor of a for-profit and all of the mission of a non-profit. Mm. It's kind of the best of both worlds, isn't it? It is. That is. But is is the climate center like I'm I'm not familiar with a lot of climate centers. Is this something that's kind of unique or um, yeah. you know, just generally speaking about climate centers, could you kind of just give a little bit of context? Yeah. Yeah, what does that lay of the land look like? Um, most of the kind of climate center-like entities that, that you'll see out there um, are probably the academic institutions. Uh, so these will be kind of, um, uh, you know, universities that have uh, uh, joined together folks from, you know, different disciplines, different departments. Um, you know, some of them might be atmospheric scientists, some might be economists, some might be engineers, and, uh, and they bring them together and they, you know, uh, call it a climate center. Uh, and those are great. Um, because academia is at the forefront of, you know, cutting edge thinking so much of the time. Um, other places where you see climate central like activity is going to be in sort of the think tank world, uh, the not profit, not for profit world. Um, and those are fantastic too. you know, mission driven organizations, uh, you know, oftentimes very high caliber thinking. Um, what I think it makes the ICF climate center unique is that, um, you know, ICF, of course, is a for profit consultancy and we do what we do very well. Uh, but at the same time, almost all of our work is you know, takes the, the, the ultimate form of a deliverable for a client. And, uh, and, and a lot of the time, you know, those clients, whether it's a government agency or, you know, a private company or a nonprofit organization, um, you know, they receive the deliverable and, uh, and they do with it whatever they want to do uh, because that's their product that we've delivered to them. Um, we don't always get to toot our own horn. Uh, and, and it's not really in our DNA. You know, ICF is a group of uh, humble folk who are really kind of focused on doing the work and not so much uh, touting the work. Yep. So um, I would say, you know, the, the ICF Climate Center is unique because we get to tap some 2,000 plus experts, uh, you know, folks who have been, you know, at the front of, forefront of their fields. Uh, and we've been doing climate work since there was climate work to do. You know, since like the 1980s, we've been doing sea level change analyses. We've been doing the annual greenhouse gas inventory for the U.S. for decades. You know, we did the math behind our engagement in the Kyoto Protocol. I mean, the Montreal Protocol, um, oh, wow. you know, on, on the ozone layer. And uh, and we recently updated it to the Kigali Amendment on, on its impact on climate. Um, there are so many things that we do that not enough people know about. Um, you know, it's 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 we've been behind the scenes for a very long time. And so we get to tap all that expertise, all that experience. And the Climate Center, in many ways, is, um, you know, our gift uh, to the community. Um, you know, we are public facing, not client facing. Uh, you know, our, our, our knowledge is to be shared as a thought leadership platform and isn't necessarily locked into proprietary private kind of contracts where, you know, you don't get to see the light of day. So um, this is us talking to the community, uh, sharing with the public. Um, uh, because we have learned so much and uh, it wouldn't be right to keep it to ourselves. And there's a lot of really good information on our public facing uh, climate center uh, site, which is on ICF's uh, website. Uh, whether it's papers, articles, webinars, um, and it covers such a wide range of, of topics that it it really what you're talking about there mike it it is starting to you know unveil if you will the broad reaches of of the work that we've been doing and and sharing some of those results so that's that's pretty cool well, we're just getting started david you know uh climate is so broad so interdisciplinary 
Um, and we have so many smart people at ICF that, uh, that we can tap uh, to, to, to develop these insights. Um, and we also have a ton of great clients that you know, we're increasingly getting into uh, relationships where we can help tell their stories and shine a spotlight uh, because sometimes they're kind of stage shy too. And, um, and, and, and sometimes we get that, you know, help them get their stories out there as well. Um, I think of it very much in terms of storytelling. Um, you know, we're really good at math. We're really good at analysis. We're really good at numbers. Uh, we're great at the science. Um, we're building up our capabilities when it comes to the storytelling, uh, the, mm. the way we can frame these kinds of accomplishments, these kinds of, uh, you know, efforts that we do. Uh, because, you know, like you probably know, uh, you could do, uh, you know, what's the math assignment? Like, you know, you can get the answer right, but if you don't show me the work, uh, if you don't right. tell me the story, uh, it doesn't, <laughs> you, know, you don't get full credit. Yeah. So what are, can you kind of give us an example of what's something that you're currently working on that you're excited about? Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll share a couple of things. Um, you know, we recently wrapped up a, what I thought was a really great webinar uh, where we brought together um, agency representatives and leaders uh, from uh, the, uh, the, the, you know, the federal government. Uh, so this was, you know, USAID, the United States Agency for International Development, uh, the Development Finance Corporation and the Millennium Challenge Corporation. Um, as, you know, some of your listeners may know, um, uh, the United States at the last uh, conference of the parties uh, in Egypt um, really kind of pushed hard and said, you know, we're going to do a lot on climate from the governmental end, but if we're going to get all the way, we're going to really need to tap private finance. We need to mobilize private finance uh, and we need to use government finance to catalyze that. Hmm. And, uh, and so uh, we had a great webinar where, um, you know, we talked with, uh, you know, we heard from and talked with uh, these agency leaders uh, who are the tip of the spear on the governmental side of how we are going to, you know, uh, invest uh, U.S., you know, uh, capital uh, public capital into international development in a way that catalyzes and mobilizes private finance towards climate-friendly, climate-compatible investments in infrastructure. Mm. Uh, it's really powerful stuff to, to know that, you know, so, several of these you know, agencies are our clients uh, and several of these agencies are, you know, are doing really great work um, to be able to shine a light on it, to bring them together because they don't, you know, they may engage us separately uh, as clients but they don't necessarily talk with each other about what they're working on with us. We're the only ones who know um, that, you know, this agency is working on that, that agency is working on that. We can connect those dots. And that's uh, a service that we're delighted to provide. Um, and, that, and webinar up, uh, we, that webinar was yeah, great. That webinar was great. Yeah, uh, I've already listened to it twice and I, I still catch stuff that I didn't hear the first two times. So yeah. um, we had uh, a lot there. We had Jigger Shaw on uh, an earlier podcast. He's the director of the loans program office at DOE. So it sounds like he would have had a lot to say as well on that conversation. It's, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jigger and I go back a long way. And uh, he's, he's always got a lot to say because he's learned. He's I, I tell people he's forgotten more about energy and climate than most of us will ever learn, uh, which is uh, <laughs> uniquely Jigger. Um, yeah. And then coming up, we are working on uh, what we call a flagship report uh, every year, um, uh, you know, all two years that the Climate Center has been in existence, um, every year we, we, we want to do a flagship report where we really get to um, show off the capabilities that we have developed over time and over different projects uh, and, and, and put our capabilities through their full paces. So um, we are the contractor to the Office of Science and Technology Policy for the U.S. Global Climate Change Research Program. Um, so we are the ones who help them to do the, the national climate assessments. Every five years, the United States government, uh, you know, uh, does its assessment. It's sort of like the IPCC report, uh, but just for the U.S. 
so we get to do that report, um, help them with that report, and uh, we've developed capabilities uh, in that process. So now we're going to do a flagship report that really takes that kind of uh, look at the, you know, what does climate change mean for the U.S. and for our infrastructure in particular, and zoom in and out on different geographies, uh, different sectors, uh, different kinds of infrastructures and different kinds of impacts and unpack, you know, what does this look like uh, uh, for this part of the country when it comes to uh, equity? What does this look like for this part of the country when it comes to water? Um, you know, how does this affect health? And, and how, you know, what does that look like? Um, because 1.5 degrees Celsius by 20, you know, it, it feels far away. It's hard to, to make that anything other than abstract. We really have to, you know, kind of zoom in uh, and, and, and see ourselves uh, in, in what climate change really means. So trying to do that storytelling. That's really cool. Yeah. How much, I mean, it's an unfair question, but how much effort goes into a report like that? I mean, it sounds like a massive undertaking. You know, it, it, it very well could be. The good news is, is that because we have done so much of the, this kind of heavy lifting for, for, for clients uh, on other projects, uh, we're we're not starting at square one. Uh, we yeah. already have a lot of the tools and the capabilities. Um, it's a matter of dialing it in and 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 shining you know the the the, the light in a particular direction. Um, so we're not starting at square one, but it is a significant investment um, in terms of time, effort, and energy. Uh, and that's why the climate center uh, is is you know uh, it's a substantial uh, effort from ICF. Uh, this is you know not something that we do without thinking. Uh, this is a very deliberate effort, and I think it's very much you know, an extension of our mission. Uh, you know, uh, I grew up in Kentucky. I rafted the, you know, the waters of West Virginia every summer as a Boy Scout. And there is this thing that we call the law of the river. And basically, you know, if you're in your raft and anyone falls out of your raft, of course, you're going to drag them back in and make sure they're okay. Mm -hmm. um, but the law of the river dictates that even if everyone in your raft is okay and you see someone else swimming who wasn't in your boat, you take care of them too. If you see another raft headed for trouble, you warn them that there's a rock, undercut rock this way or a branch that they can't see that way. Um, you take care of each other because that's the law of the river. And I think that's kind of the, the underlying spirit behind the climate center. Um, you know, well, we can't just take care of our own clients and be happy with just that. Uh, there's more at stake. Climate is going to affect all of us. Um, even if our clients do the right thing, uh, if not everyone else does the right thing, then we're still all in trouble. Mm. I, I love that analogy. would like to go white. Raft, white water rafting with you, right? <laughs> oh, I, anytime. I'm always game for a run down the river. <laughs> just, just knowing, just you know, <laughs> that if I fell out, that you would uh, definitely help us. But, but I, I love the analogy. I really do. I think it's, it's where we all need to be. So, um, nice way of describing that effort. And well, I love this. I mean, it's I like, love it's this like what you're doing, focus. Joan and David. Like you, you're doing this podcast. You are sharing your time. You're sharing your knowledge. You're sharing your networks, uh, and and doing it in a way that you know helps everyone who listens. Uh, and 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 I think you know we're we're on the same wavelength. Well, we know we have at least one listener, so that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mike. So, what what's on your wish list for? future enhancements uh, with the Climate Center? Like if you could, uh, you know, like what would you like to see improved or or enhanced on, on, on its current state? Hmm. It's a great question. Um, 
you know, for the climate center, I think one of the things that that I'm increasingly aware of, and remind you know, to remind you, I'm at like a quarter into this job. Like, you know, I'm still counting in months. Uh, so yeah. there's way more that I still need to learn. Um, but um, one of the things that I've observed is that, um, you know, because climate is such a multifaceted uh, challenge, um, it really requires connecting dots across, you know, organizations. And and I came into this role, you know, really thinking about how do we, how are we going to help people out there, uh, organizations out there, uh, you know, wrap their head around what what we can, you know, what what needs to be done and how we might help them. But what I'm also realizing is that there's a lot of work to be done internally uh, because, mm. you know, ICF, uh, our people are really good at what they do. And sometimes that means that it's at the opportunity cost of being aware of what everyone else is doing. And so I think that there's, uh, you know, some, some benefit that we can provide within ICF uh, just to help folks be aware of each other's work uh, as it relates to climate. Um, you know, one of the things that, uh, that I uh, am excited about is um, uh, we recently at ICF brought aboard um, a fellow named John Auerbach, uh, who's kind of our uh, public health, um, uh, you know, lead, uh, not like, not unlike what I'm doing on the climate and energy front, he's kind of doing for the public health front. And, and he and I um, have similar roles in terms of our respective areas. Um, but as we've gotten to talking, we, you know, very quickly realized, wait, climate is public health and public health relates to climate. You know, uh, these are connections that we need to explore further and, uh, and, and connect the dots between, you know, the, the, the organizations he works with within ICF and the people mm -hmm. I work with within ICF. Uh, because those folks, you know, don't necessarily talk to each other because their clients are different. Uh, they go to different conferences. They're reading different books, listening to different things. Um, our job is as much internal as it is external. And I would guess that folks working in the climate space, you know, um, uh, probably uh, underestimate how much sort of internal process change uh, uh, should be part of uh, uh, the mission that they're undertaking. That, that's a really interesting observation and and accurate. I Completely agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's not the the, the you know the, the the glitziest part of the job, but I think it's you know in many ways, uh, you know, the duck glides across the surface of the pond, but is paddling furiously beneath the water. Uh, that's that's kind of how it is. Yep. Yep. So David asked you about wishes, but just to to switch tracks just a bit, this is a question that we like to ask all of our guests, Mike. And that's if you could do one thing to change the industry, no limits, what would you do? Like no limits, no limits? No <laughs> limits, but just one thing. You know, my first instinct, Joan, is is to wave a magic wand and to make everything easy, to like make energy <laughs> practically free, carbon free, um, on demand, anytime, anywhere, we don't have to worry about energy anymore. And if we don't have to worry about energy anymore, then climate becomes a much more solvable problem. You know, we'll have so much energy we can extract to the carbon from the atmosphere without having to blink an eye. And um, that would be kind of the the temptation uh, if I had that, you know, sort of, you know, rub the genie lamp and, and get a wish. But the other part of me thinks that, you know what, climate is such a challenge and it's such an awful situation we've gotten ourselves into as a society. But at the same time, I really believe with all my heart that this moment gives us opportunities to address so many other challenges that we can, you know, kind of solve in one fell swoop, I hope, or together. Uh, you know, equity, environmental justice, social justice. Um, you know, there's a lot of inequality in our world. Um, and I do believe that if we can 
figure out ways to address climate change in ways that also address, you know, equity, inequality, social justice, will have done so much more good than we would be able to accomplish if I just waved that first magic wand and made energy easy. Mm. So I don't want to, I, 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 I'm tempted, but I don't want to give in to that temptation. <laughs> That's a really, really good. Yeah, and it's so true how all of that intertwines around climate, right? Like, yeah. you can impact all of those issues while trying to also address climate-related needs. It's, it's a huge opportunity, um, and and it's really on us to get it right. Um, you know, we, we, we got ourselves into this mess, uh, both on the climate front and also on the equity front, um, and it's incumbent on us to figure out how to get, you know, to unwind this. Um, and I think we can genuinely end up in a better place. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the opportunity of a lifetime. Um, I think, uh, you know, uh, I think it was President Obama who said, ours is the first generation to really feel the impacts of climate change and maybe the last generation to be in a position to do something really big about it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and that's a huge responsibility, um, but it also means that we have that opportunity to like, you know, right so many wrongs along the way. Uh, and uh, I'd be awfully proud if I you know, could play some small part in that. I think you already are. Oh, you definitely are. <laughs> Do I have one? Well, I have another question. I don't know, Joan, if you have another question after that. But what? And, and again, it's it's kind of a silly question because our listeners are not uneducated around this topic per se. But like, if you, if if you were to give guidance to somebody, here's how you personally could make an impact. What would you What would you say? Oh, that's a great one. Um. I, I talk with so many people who who ask, you know, how do I get involved? And maybe that's one way to think about this. Um, yep. And and what what I like to tell people is that um, the best advice I ever got was raise your hand to do the work. You know, in every sort of like committee or task force or you know team that you'll get a, to be a part of, um, you know, early in your career or late in your career, um, you know, there's going to be that moment where someone's going to say, okay, who's going to write the first draft? Uh, and everyone kind of looks at each other. Uh, no one wants to to volunteer for that. Uh, and the advice that my professor in graduate school, a guy named John Holdren, he later became a presidential science advisor in the Obama administration. Uh, his advice was, raise your hand, write the draft. You'll get the opportunity to do the thinking. You certainly will have the responsibility of doing the work. Uh, the way he put it was, they're not going to pay you enough for the value of what you're going to provide. But at the same time, you're not going to be qualified enough to do the work that you're going to be responsible for. So it's a fair trade. Um, but yeah, <laughs> get involved, do the work, raise your hand, write the draft, um, and, and, and just throw yourself in. Um, you'll learn quickly because climate change is one of these areas where we're all learning. No one's got this figured out. And so if we're all learning, that means you're no farther behind than anyone else. And you've definitely got an opportunity to contribute. Um, work in a government agency, work in a utility, work in a nonprofit organization, uh, know that where you start isn't necessarily where you're going to end up. As long as you're learning, you're going to be in a position to contribute. Love it. That's great advice. Thank you. Any last questions from you? No, no. I think uh, I think we've hit the the time limit here. Um, but it's just really, this has just been a great discussion. And as always, wish we could talk longer. Um, yeah. 
really thank appreciate, you so much. Yeah. Really appreciate well, this, Mike. My 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 goal is to get back on 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 the pod one of these days here soon, uh, and hopefully we'll have some you know good news to share. Uh, thank you guys for you know uh, sparking these conversations and keeping the dialogues going. Uh, you know, uh, I, I hope I did my small part in helping your readers learn a thing or two and hopefully what their appetite for coming back for more. You did, and you contributed to the optimism that continues to be the theme as we talk to everybody. Um, it just, if you look back and listen to every episode, there's always a note of optimism, which is just has has given me a lot of good feelings um, and makes me just so proud to know um, to know all these wonderful people out there doing this kind of work. And if you want to learn more about ICF's Climate Center, you can visit it at icf.com slash climate. We'll provide a link to it on our podcast page. And you can also reach out directly to Mike. He is open to conversations. And if you've enjoyed this conversation, we'd sure appreciate you liking, sharing, and even subscribing to our podcast. And you might want to also um, listen to our next episode, which... It's going to be very interesting. We're going to be talking about striving towards equity across all programs with our colleague, Karen Earhart Martinez, and our guest, Jeff Brown of PSO. So have a great day, and we'll catch you on our next Energy in 30. Energy in 30.